1: Oh, hell yeah.
0: (laughs) Love how it goes from like happy
2: music to ooh. Yeah, great great transition there.
1: (laughs) Bing is for doing, and here we are doing another awesome after show for our favorite show, Hemlock Grove. This is season one, episode 11 The Price. I'm your host, Sean O, oh, and I'm joined here by a bu- bunch of beautiful ladies in studio with me tonight. Sean. So sweet. So sweet. You're making me blush. <laughs> Let's start over here to my right.
3: Hi, everyone. I'm Marissa Serafini. Hey, guys. I'm Tiana Hobson. Hey, I'm JJ Juergens.
1: And we are joined in studio tonight with a very special guest. It is Candice McClure, who plays Dr. Clementine Chasseur on Hemlock Grove. Yay! Yay. <laughs>
4: I clap for myself. Yeah. yeah. Hey y'all.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. It's only my pleasure. And uh, we we have a, a bunch bunch of great topics tonight. I I wish we could talk about the next episode too, <laughs> but we're g- we're gonna break this one down the price, and then we will a little bit of a spoiler alert. We are gonna talk about something big that happens to uh, Doctor Um uh, a little bit. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll say spoiler yeah. alert when we're gonna talk yeah. about mm-hmm, it, just so yeah. you fans at home listening know. Um, anyway, we're gonna be discussing Roman and Peter on their adventure <laughs> again, and uh, we're gonna discuss. Let's see what else. Uh, Olivia gives the axe to Roman. We're gonna yep. be talking about prejudice against uh, Linda and Peter because. Everybody's going crazy, crazy mm-hmm. yokels in town, getting their torches and pitchforks <laughs> yes, ready, right? Literally. <laughs> yeah. Roman uses his power for good and Peter uses an incantation and oh and then we'll do the little spoiler yeah. later on don't say that topic. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, gonna say that, I'm not gonna say that one right now. Okay, so Roman and Peter on their adventure again. Alright. So uh so th- so, how'd you guys feel about them getting together? And pretty much, well, what I can recall is the most important stuff. We get... Okay, so, Peter, he ends up being... He ends up being in the house, right? He He mm-hmm. wakes up, and Roman's like, Oh, I got to see you change... Back. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I like, was like, I was watching you sleep. So pretty.
5: Like, I that's thought it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was gonna get to see a little more as that sheet was kind oh, of I, oh, <laughs> oh, I know. Was a little bit too.
1: I felt like there were some times when uh, Peter's like getting up and he's like, yeah. Oh, and it's about to slip off and he like, You're like grabs it <laughs> at the right, time, right?
2: Really yeah. close But home. then you do get a nice <laughs> shot of his booty mm-hmm. when he goes to answer the phone. After Roman had left. So eventually all the teasing does pay off. Yeah.
4: Yes.
1: It does.
4: Peter puts out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
1: He, he does it a lot on the show. He is. He does. That guy shows his his arse off a lot.
4: So. His bits. Yeah, we've gotten to see a bit of Peter. <laughs> Very little of Romans, though. Yeah. 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 So what are we going to do?
2: <laughs> That's because werewolves like. are always like associated with being naked.
4: Always trying to get naked. Yeah, right? they're always. Because
2: yeah. they're shedding their skin, they're eating it. It's. you so right, Weird. Bro, they're eating. it. Yeah. He <laughs> <eats his> <laughs> <blood>. <laughs> how does that work. Actually. No. Because I wish we had seen him come back to life.
3: He's like a For lizard him. because he mm-hmm. generates. Yeah. Because
2: mm-hmm. how it would have been cool to see the wolf go back into a human. Because we yeah. saw it the other Yeah. It would have.
3: They might have just spent all their budget on the transformation. <laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> just about yeah. to say, We're <laughs> a yeah, budget. Yeah, and budget. it's gone. gone. Yeah. gone. <laughs> but in the, in the book, also, we don't uh get the description of what the transformation back into the human form is. So I guess they're just letting the audience use their imagination.
4: Hmm. Yeah, Brian McRuby's like he, yeah, he's not giving up the kids.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> well maybe next Maybe season. for the second yeah. book. No. no. We'll see that in
4: that the future. That kid's not g- getting given up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh Candace, how was working with uh Landon and Bill on the show?
4: It was awesome. Actually one of my uh first and favorite scenes was with uh Landon um and um his mom and old sheriff sworn uh aaron douglas and lily taylor and uh, gosh i had so much fun he's just so um natural and in himself when he's working and there's always kind of a bit of humor in his eye even if he's yeah. being like super intense and serious about mm-hmm. things and um i got to touch him <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> what, that that, that, was, good. Was, that was, was the end four, of that. a <laughs> horrible job to have.
2: Gosh, you know what I had to do today? I had to touch Landon. It was the worst. I'd <laughs> sort
4: of look at him up and down. And like, didn't have that moment so much with um, Roman. He's quite tall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Scar's yes. Yeah. So there, there was a lot of this going
6: on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
4: Um, and he was always sort of, you know, like moody and affected whenever Chaucer showed up.
6: <laughs> um,
4: but I only got to work with him a little bit later on. Yeah, they were they were uh, fast friends and seemed to sort of hang out whenever they were in sort of a mile of each other.
6: <laughs> <So>
4: <laughs> I rarely saw saw them apart.
2: So the bromance so, yes. is true. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'm is off. Yes, yeah. It's real. That's so cute. I love it. I want to be their friend. <laughs>
4: <laughs> i let me clear up that Landon has a girlfriend. Let's
6: about okay. <laughs> <Let's-> that. <laughs> we, we can all be buddies. Yeah.
4: And, uh, and Bill has a fan club. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm sure he does.
3: we join that one. So
6: how,
1: how, okay, Roman reveals that like while he's still there with Peter in the room, he's like, oh, well, Olivia, like she said you were back here at the house. How did he get there? Did Price, do you guys think Price dragged him back? Because Price is being like kind of like the errand boy for Olivia a little bit perhaps? Do you think that Olivia Wait, dragged... How,
3: how did Peter get back to Oh, them?
1: sorry, Peter, yes. That's what I meant. Well, they
3: mentioned that Olivia oh, brought, yeah, brought okay. the body back because mm-hmm. she called up Roman yeah. telling him to watch over Peter.
1: So do you think Olivia actually did it herself? Like, she, she physically got him, like, while he was muzzled and stuff and as, as a wolf, and she, like, carried him back to the house?
2: Pardon me, <laughs> yes, because I think that um, Dr. Price was busy doing other things, mm-hmm. so you know he took one and she took the other and ended up going home but she didn't change when she went home
3: she had to change later yeah
1: yeah mm-hmm. uh, okay. but i think it, it,
3: olivia's capable more capable of what you might think i
4: love the mm-hmm. idea of like olivia and her and her well white somewhat bloodied but white <laughs> finery sort of like taking out really stinky garbage. Like, yeah. I have to do it. But oh. <laughs> This is terrible. I get it. I'm getting I'm getting his fur on my dress. Yeah.
2: Yeah, totally. <laughs> Perfect. This is definitely
5: going to the cleaner after. To... <laughs> it would have been fun to see that moment.
4: Right? <laughs> yeah, she would have yeah. been so perturbed by it. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
5: <laughs> but I thought it was
1: fascinating too and and also it's so convenient that they still had the hospital bed in their attic and they were able to to put peter on it you know
3: well if you think about it roman did just kind of wake up it's like m- maybe in the real time it's only yeah. like one or two days Probably after day. he did so they still had it yeah. i think they always
4: have a hospital bed upstairs in that house have you seen that house you, know what I mean? you never know yeah. you never know when something's yeah. gonna come up yeah there's Emergency, l- blood transfusion you know just you just need a gurney up there
3: i think every household yeah. should have one should have a gurney, yeah. right yeah. TV watching would
6: be
3: good. True. True. So
1: fast forward a little bit. Uh, Peter is super hungry. He goes into the kitchen. He finds himself a nice, big, juicy T-bone steak, right? Mm -hmm. He plops that thing on the grill, and he just barely simmers it a little bit, and he starts biting into it. I think he was just Uh, trying
2: to knock the cold off of it. Honestly, (laughs) he was not going for a full cooked steak. He just needed it to not be as cold as it was.
4: Well, he empties, you know, the remnants blood from, yeah. the, from the package. Right. He kind of seasons it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it.
3: That was that was gross. Yeah, that was kind <laughs> of nasty. And he, but he did tell Roman that he was starving. I guess yeah. he just got impatient when he was, you know, cooking that steak. It. Maybe another reason maybe why I didn't don't eat red meat. Yeah. Ew.
2: And it reminded me of um, in the earlier episode when Olivia was at his trailer and kind of went to town on those little oh, mm-hmm. meat raw meatballs that Linda was rolling up. Yeah,
4: that's Where how it's face it. <laughs> just yeah. taught me
1: something, but
2: I don't know what it told me.
1: <laughs> did you did you, have, did you have something to add, Candice?
4: no yeah I was just impressed with uh landing in that scene actually because that was a that was a big old chunk of raw meat <laughs> yeah <laughs> that he had there but yeah there was a sense that um like the wolf was still kind of in him mm-hmm. and there's there was a part of that that wasn't satiated but I mean all I was thinking about was like the besides that the the continuity logistics like they needed to make sure that that steak was fresh and untouched and I'm like how many steaks did they <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. wow. so I was going to ask you that
1: too so it was an actual steak it wasn't something that was fake or like some kind of manufactured thing it was a real like raw meat steak that was
4: a raw meat steak so they would wow. have had the pan um, hot but not too hot because we don't want to burn the actors mm-hmm. right. and then they would have just have to make sure that the steak was like grade A prime organic just came out of the fridge tartar worthy <laughs> piece of meat. And, I don't know, keep five or six of them stacked
3: (laughs) up. You never know how many we're going to go through today. I wonder how many times you had to actually bite into uh, the into the steak. A few times, I imagine.
4: I guess, you know, if you're a vegetarian, yeah, that would kind of gross you out. (laughs) I don't know, I
3: I was like, "Mm, steak. (laughs) (laughs) When he was cooking it, I was
4: like,
2: okay, yeah, I can get down with this, but when he started eating it still raw, I was like, okay, that's I like my meat, no red in it at all, so... Oh, yeah, no.
4: I, I, beef sashimi. It's it's beef sashimi.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Letha ends up walking in, and he was totally surprised by it. drops the meat mm. on the ground. He barely got a few bites into it. He drops the meat <laughs> on the ground. And uh, they, they embrace, and she said something. She was like, how can I miss someone so much after just one day? Mm, yeah. And they have, like, yeah. a little cute embrace, you know, a little mm-hmm. high school love. Um, and he says, and then they say something so funny. He's like, Oh, I guess we're just going to stand here until <laughs> the next thing happens, yeah. which is kind of like a little wink at the audience.
6: Right? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, whoop, whoop. Yes. And then you hear the police siren. Yeah.
1: Yes. And then the cops bust in, the sheriff deputies, and those guys, dude, they, they're just <laughs> like the local yokels, right? <laughs> going yeah. after him without any evidence. No warrant. Guns blazing. Yeah. In a hoodie and
4: yes. yeah. <laughs> they're
3: in their yeah. civilian
1: clothing they, they were seriously ready to blow him away
3: yeah and, and not even uh, properly reciting the Miranda rights no, either <laughs> yeah. and it's pretty funny because we've kind of joked about
5: how bad these cops have been the whole like series so it's funny that now all of a sudden now they're fired up and like ready to you know yeah, yeah take some action but could have been useful a few episodes ago <laughs> they
4: totally paid for it though Yeah. Oh yeah. oh yeah yeah, yeah that gun in the mouth thing I was like oh buddy that's hard yeah. on the jaw we're not yeah. gonna go there
5: <laughs> <laughs> don't look at me like that don't start talking about meat again now too. drop it it's right. a family show All right. Mind
3: Mind we're here not here
2: gonna go dig deeper into that but gosh maybe later I can hear that story
4: again no continuity I was thinking how many times did they do that scene <laughs> how long did he have to wait and then roman's describing like how far they have yeah. to drive until yeah. he can take it out of his mouth it's like damn
1: yeah and that perfectly leads <laughs> us into him using his powers and he used mm-hmm. them for like re- like a really good situation it was like perfect escape for them to get mm-hmm. out of there yeah. and roman like really stared those guys down uh, made eye contact <laughs> yeah oh that's <laughs> not And I thought he, I thought he would have killed them. Like a part of me, like a half, was thinking, like, dude, he he could really tell them to blow their heads off right now if he wanted to.
3: Yeah, I don't think he would have because Letha was in the room, Shelly was in the room. When you have females around, it changes the whole dynamic of a certain serious situation. So I don't think Roman would have that in him, especially Shelly. I mean, he's so
4: protective of her, and I mean, the first thing he did was like check in on her Mm -hmm. and make sure Mm -hmm. that she was okay.
3: Yeah, and Shelly was very blue. She's, yeah. She was the blue as we've seen her. Full, yeah. Full glowing.
5: But I thought we might see something else from her, too, when she got that blue, because we've never seen that before. So I was, I don't Stop know, I just sparking. thought maybe. Yeah, yeah. I know, yeah, yeah, I thought. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> She'd shoot, shoot, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Blow people up.
2: <laughs> but I like that Roman used his powers for good, because earlier when he was upstairs with Peter in the bed, he was like, I'm sorry, I should have been stronger for you. I should have fought harder for you with Chester when, you know, she made him leave. And then here he is, he's stepping in, and he's, he's the man. he's like, hey. I got this, guys. Like, don't worry. I'm going to protect everyone right here. So it was a good character growth for um, Roman, I thought.
3: Yeah, and it it even reinforces their bromance because the first time when they were at the steel meal and Peter was like, use your, I will glamour, whatever, and... uh, Roman didn't mm-hmm. and so this time Roman actually did and he really is looking out for Peter.
6: Yeah.
4: Building trust. Exactly. <laughs> Creating memories.
1: Yeah, so th- that is what I really like to see in Roman too. He did have, like you said, Tiana, there was a big character growth even just from what, like four four episodes ago yeah. until mm-hmm. now. He's seriously like a changed man. I think it's just because he's sobered up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he woke up out of that coma and he's like, boom, I'm yeah. a changed person, guys. Like, I... I'm on
1: it. I'm on point, And I like that, Roman. She had a successful catabasis.
4: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Nice one. That one rolled off the tongue. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> Thank you, Canvas. So I,
4: I just love the growth of Roman, like, caring for people other than himself. You know, that's ultimately the change is he gets so fired up in that situation. And he's so good and takes such control of it because he's in defense of, of Peter. And he continues to kind of rise to the occasion.
1: Yes, Absolutely. Agreed. Um, so, fast forward a little bit. You know, we, we talked about his powers. We still didn't talk about their... the. Well, that was pretty much like most of their adventure. That was like the big stuff where mm-hmm. he got him out of a sticky situation. And uh, mm-hmm. and thankfully, Letha's car was there and they were able to drive off in that silent little Prius. <laughs> it doesn't call as much hey, attention don't, as...
3: Don't knack off Prius. <laughs> they're, they're amazing. I,
1: I like Priuses. No, I drive a
3: Prius. <laughs> it, just, it
1: doesn't draw as much attention as Roman's red... What was that? A Corvette... Whatever he drives around.
4: Is it a Corvette? No, yes. M- might be.
1: It might be. It's, it's like it's not a Porsche. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fancy car. It's, it's a fancy old car, but everybody knows that car. No one, the cops don't know the Prius, so <laughs>
6: sure.
1: so they drive away and they get some. They get to a safe haven. They get to a sanctuary. Actually, mm-hmm. Norman refers to it as a mm-hmm. sanctuary, which is. It seems like it's really close to his mental institution, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on mm-hmm.
3: the grounds, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The old yeah. church, yeah. Old it's church. on the Hemlock Acres.
1: Yeah. So what, what was Hemlock Acres? Is that, is that part of his, his mental that's, hospital? Yeah, that's the
3: land where all the, inst- the institute and stuff is actually on the property, Hemlock Acres. In Hemlock Roman's Grove. car <laughs> is a
1: Jaguar <laughs> XK150S. I was
3: going to say go. Jaguar. Oh. Thank you, Steve.
4: Wow. It's British Jag.
1: Well done, Stephen. <laughs> Speaking of well done, if you guys want to get your podcast well done, check Good out, the, go to the iTunes store and in the search bar, type in Hemlock Grove. Guess what? We are the first podcast to come up, and you guys should download us, and give us five stars. We already have five stars. Rate and comment us, and tell a friend, because it only takes a minute. And while you're at the iTunes store, also type in Serial Buddies, because that is Maria Menunos and Kevin Undergaro's newest film that just came out. Seriously, Dumb and Dumber, mixed with Dexter <laughs> to the max, and it's freaking Whoa. hilarious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: That's a combo. It's yeah. hysterical.
1: It is. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. I already downloaded it. I've I've played it a few times. I've shown some of my favorite Ooh. scenes to my wife, and it's just a hilarious film. They're like you, you enjoy it too, Marissa, right?
3: Yeah, and it's a uh, star-studded cast with you know Kathy Lee Gifford, Beth Bears from True Broke Girls, Henry Winkler narrates, um, a bunch mm-hmm. of comedians yeah. in it. It's it's absolutely. Yeah. Hysterical. Artie so.
1: Lang. Christopher McDonald.
3: Christopher Lloyd.
1: Christopher Lloyd, yeah, too, yeah. who's amazing. And, and my personal favorite, Gian Molina, who's, who's a friend of mine. And <laughs> we, got, we got to hang out with him this weekend. I was like, dude, I loved you in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Uh, but uh, <laughs> let's get back to our topics. Uh, Olivia gives the axe to Roman. So, how weird is it that he happened to be dreaming about that same axe, right? Yeah. That same mm-hmm. double-edged axe. And it was just, it looked exactly the same, and it's like, he said, he was saying throughout the whole series, like, he mentioned a couple of times, like, I want to be strong, I want to be a warrior. And mm-hmm. now Olivia gives him that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And she, and she, why, what? dude, what, what was up with her drawing the
5: vargulf oh. on the mirror? <laughs>
1: And, the, I, weird, and the, the, the weird heart, heart that seemed heart,
5: to kind of beat pulse, and yeah. like yeah. Yeah. lined and it up. It looked up. like a piece of steak pulse, to yeah. me. Me too!
2: Uh, <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I wasn't sure yeah, if I was I, just dreaming about I, I thought the same Pain. thing. I,
5: yeah, I watched it again because I was, I, I was trying to figure yeah. out what, what all that meant in that yeah. scene too, and I thought the same thing. And at first I, was,
2: I thought she was telling him that he needed to kill Peter, because Peter is a wolf, and I don't know what's going on between those families still, but Linda does not trust the Godfrey still, but you know, peter does so i was like is she telling him that's your friend and you need to go take care of business or was it supposed to be the bard wolf?
1: You know what was kind of weird, too, is when they were looking into the mirror at the, at the, the drawing, and the outline, they fit in it perfectly at mm-hmm. one of the angles. Mm-hmm. Did you guys notice that? Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, is that a metaphor for something? Are they, like, destined to always, like, as the appears or whatever they are, are they always destined to encounter the werewolves and, like, deal with them in a certain way?
3: Or maybe they're on the same level and they're becoming the same thing,
1: mm-hmm.
3: perhaps? Hmm.
1: Hmm. What does the yeah, order one. What does the order of the dragon think of that? <laughs> <laughs> what does this, what does Shosher think of all this?
4: Um, I mean, I, I looked at it and I, yeah, there were ideas of you know, is this um, Olivia sort of subliminally telling Peter who the enemy is and all who the enemy will always be, and who he has to fight against, mm-hmm. or he's on the other side of. I, I was kind of interested in the idea that, as you say, they fit inside this this image or this outline of what a monster was. And I think that's a lot of what the show talks about. It's like, where where are mm-hmm. the monsters and who is the monster within? It's like, you, you consider him the monster because he has this transformative um, ability, but I'm handing you this quite impressive... Uh, axe when it came out when she opened that box, right? Yeah. When yeah. that thing opened, I was like, oh, duh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a sword. We're not going fencing. <laughs> this is like some medieval somebody gonna get hurt type.
3: Yeah. <laughs> you know? Off of their head type of thing. It's quite the family heirloom yeah. Yeah. yeah,
4: yeah, but like, this is who you really are, you know? Uh, this is us and that's them and these two things will always exist, but this is your place in it. And I am here behind you, whispering in your ear,
6: mm-hmm. like she <laughs> always <Yeah>. does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they,
1: the the boys, did, well, Peter decides to hide out there, and Norman is nice enough to say, "Okay, you guys, you stay here. You know, we'll get you some blankets and pillows, and he, he brings him what some some milk, some like hospital milk, <laughs> <laughs> with the with whatever else, you know, some food, some some condiments, I'm sure, and." uh Actually, a little bit before that, when Roman's over in the hospital, he's mm. getting the stuff. Boom! We see Christina, and we we saw in the beginning of the episode that her hair is completely, mm-hmm. completely white. Oh. Yeah, and and it's like, dude, what's going on with her now, right? And yeah. she even like looks out the window and she sees Peter, and I think she sees the whole group, right? She's she sees she's Peter, Norman,
3: Norman. Uh-huh. she sees mm-hmm. yeah Norman and Letha, everybody mm.
1: out there. So she's like. Onto them, and that's this is the first episode where I think to myself, okay, something's really up with Christina because she's like getting really weird now. Before, she just seemed a little bit more juvenile and scared, and that's all we see of her, but now she's we're starting to demonize her in the story, right? Yeah, she
5: knew she was naughty,
1: (laughs) (laughs) and she surprises and she comes up from behind Roman and she's just like staring at him, Mm -hmm. and he's even like, Yeah, creepily, Mm -hmm. and he's like. Snapping his fingers at her and saying like, "Hello,
3: <laughs> are you there? Anybody home?" But the thing that she says that um, she's not safe, uh, Letha, Letha and the baby, the, mm-hmm. whatever the monster wants, she's not safe. And that thing inside mm-hmm. her, because what is yeah. inside Letha, guys?
1: Yes, we still don't. Yeah,
3: know.
2: that that really scares me because I don't know what it is, and I know it can't be good, and it's not human. Yeah.
1: Uh, Candice, you got to work with Freya Tingley a little bit, who plays Mm. Christina. Uh, What was it like working with her?
2: I didn't get
4: to work with her often. I sort of hung out with her more (laughs) (laughs) in the trailer. and um, Yeah, I I remember walking on set, actually, that day. And I hadn't seen her in a while, because we don't often have scenes that... I mean, we had that one scene Mm -hmm. together that kind of intercept, but it was lunch or something, and I was walking through the trailers, and I saw the back of this person. And I'm like, oh, they're small, and they're wearing... Freya's pants, but <laughs> her hair is really weird. <laughs> um, yeah, she turns around. She's like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> oh you've missed this, right?" I'm <laughs> I'm crazy. It's great. <laughs> um, yeah, she's amazing. She, um, you know, she has the sweetest uh, Australian accent. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. but maintained her American. The whole time that she was there, and uh, she's great. Sort of late at night, like over dinner and stuff, she'll get really intense and talk about things. <laughs> she's like this small little person. No, I'm am sm- a small person, but she's like a small person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I witnessed, w- you know, watching a small person get really like intense and political about things and have <laughs> about, like have opinions and wrong. And I'm like,
6: oh, you're adorable. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, but yeah, she definitely. um she definitely carries that the, the the kind of catatonic, I know something you don't know, uh, vibe. Particularly mm-hmm. in this episode, she got under my skin too this time.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. She, she made she, my she very oh. mm-hmm. it, so She's very catatonic this episode. She's sitting there staring into the blue. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and the
4: innocence in, that we've seen in her so often, this like curiosity and that something was happening to her, mm-hmm. is sort of waning. She's starting to look like she's knows actually more than, than everyone well, else.
5: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's like yeah, her innocence, like you said, it's it's just gone. It's it's replaced by like an ambiguity, I wanna say, mm-hmm. like a darkness. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure it's gonna turn into something more sinister later on.
6: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she
4: knows things. Mm-hmm. I think she's seen she's things and it turned a switch in her mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
6: <laughs>
1: So, uh, fast forward a little bit. Peter, he's he's over in the church in the sanctuary talking with Letha. They have an interesting conversation there. Uh, I wanted to bring up a couple things about that. So he said something like, it, "Has it been a month of Sundays?" You guys remember when he said that? Oh,
4: it's no. been a month of Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, what do you think? There? Do you think there was any kind of like metaphor behind behind that, or was it? What do you guys think?
4: Because they were in the church.
1: Because they were in the church, mm. I was feeling like. Whenever you're in church, you kind of... Well, at least this is the way I think. I kind of can't uh. wait for it to end. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible thing <consent. laughs> And to quote the Simpsons, it's like, oh, and after it's over, it's the longest possible time before more church. <laughs> so I kind of feel like everything for them, like that whole month, it's been like... It's been really terrible. It's been really hard on all the characters, mm-hmm. especially for Peter, because everybody's on a witch hunt for him, you know, as as a werewolf because everybody thinks he's like this freak and they think he's a killer when he's not,
3: right? Mm-hmm. And, I think so, it's just been like the whole year so far because so much has happened to them within a few months. So I think maybe it's just all these things accumulating make it feel like it's been a month of just craziness.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: One thing that I kept thinking about this episode was that they were talking with
2: especially with the mob after Peter. So once he catches the Vargwolf, if he catches the Vargwolf and, you know, the killing stop happening, isn't everyone still going to think he's a killer and still want to put him away? Because are you really going to go tell everyone, oh, no, there was this werewolf out, and it wasn't me. It was a different wo- werewolf who was killing everyone.
4: Like <laughs> No, 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 I swear. Yeah, yeah,
6: yeah.
2: <laughs> so, so my question, like, I, I just, I'm not seeing how, because they talked about, Um, Linda talked about how, you know, the past is always following them around, especially from, like, Nikolai when he killed the man, and then the brother showed up and had to kill him, too, so he killed twice in his life, so she didn't want this to always be following Peter, but how do you get everyone to forget that all these girls died and Peter's still alive? No?
4: I mean, I, to me, what I thought was, there's a lot of reference to, you know, sort of gypsy culture, and this is what we do. And even in his um, dream speech with Nikolai, mm-hmm. kind of telling him, well, you know, I'm the one who ran and I'm the one who saved myself. I'm the only one who survived uh, when that upier showed mm-hmm. up. And uh, Nikolai kind of telling him, well, that's the gypsy way, right? You you run. There's mm-hmm. nothing. What does Destiny say? There's nothing that a 1,000 miles of
6: tarmac could change. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat>
4: and Peter deciding that, no, you know, actually he has to stand up for... Um, for himself and and want to do something different and kind of break that cycle. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how he figures that out. I think it has something to do with kind of Roman, either like the legitimacy of the Godfrey's kind of making it so. It oh, okay. is, he is not the killer <laughs> <You know? laughs> Or maybe everybody just being too afraid of him to ever bring it up. Like it's just always going to be an awkward silence, but nobody's ever going to say it. Don't say anything, he'll eat you. <laughs>
1: I, I, like I feel that. I feel like there was such that the whole town has always been on edge. Well, it, they've always had something in the back of their mind about the gypsies, like the Rumanchecks being there and living there. Um, and obviously, they do some things that are kind of shady a little bit. Like in the first episode, we have Peter steal a leather jacket from the store or wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we see I think a little bit later on we see Linda like. Getting some nail polish and putting it in, in in her purse, and Olivia's like, "Oh, that's not your shade." Yeah, <laughs> stuff like that, right? That
5: was a good Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> good
1: Olivia. <laughs> I don't know if I should be proud of
5: that. that. <laughs> wearing white. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, but uh, but here the town just exploded, and it they they had everybody, all the local people, just pretty much. The only thing they were missing was torches and pitchforks, right? Yeah going after uh, her trailer and yeah. they, they write like I, I loved how the townsfolk are so educated that they write you're dead! like belong, Belonging <laughs> to you! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are! <laughs> <Yeah. Boy. laughs> Which That's was right. pretty funny.
3: <laughs> but we gotta remember Sheriff Swarm told his boys that this is where Peter lives and then immediately after the birds yeah. we saw those guys go to the actual address and trash mm-hmm. the t- trailer. Yeah, Yeah. I kind of liked, I I hate that his daughters died the way they did, but I kind of liked
2: Sheriff Sworn more in this episode than I have all season, like his character, because he was, you know, he wasn't just like this cop who's kind of getting things right and being strung along by Chasseur the whole time. He's like... I'm pissed, I'm sad, I'm depressed, and I was like, wow, he's, like, raw and gritty, and I like him right now. Mm -hmm. Man Mm -hmm. of action. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was kind of exciting to see him in that way. Even if it was misdirected. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. even if it was misdirected, it was still good to see his character, like, finally kind of get the background, like, no, I'm
1: not listening to anyone else, I'm doing things my way. Right. Yeah. How was working with, it was Aaron Douglas, right? Yeah. How was working with him?
4: Uh, I was happy to finally actually get to work with him. Uh, we were on another show together, Ballast but we never, had, right? we never had yeah. any lines together. Um, yeah, and at first, I think we were both, it was odd for both of us, because we're like, oh, we're talking. <laughs> 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 <clears throat> on camera, This is there's something wrong, something's happening.
6: <laughs>
4: <clears throat> and, uh, you know, our, our characters at first, y- you would come to think that, um, well, Sharsh, Chasseur is smarter than everyone. Uh, But he sort of loved the idea that Sworn hated that Chasseur was smarter than everyone and kind of didn't, like, subscribe to it. (laughs) (laughs) So I think he had great fun kind of, like, ignoring me and rolling his eyes about things that I said for a long time.
1: (laughs) I think a good example of that would be where you say, uh, as Chasseur, you say to him, oh, um, quid pro quo, and then he's like, I don't speak Spanish.
4: Yeah, <laughs> That was one of my favorite lines, too, actually.
6: <laughs>
4: he nailed it.
1: <laughs> but it is it is such an interesting dynamic between Chasseur and Sworn throughout the whole series, where she she obviously, yeah, she is stringing him along in a way. She's using them. And we've been having this debate. Is Chasseur actually a part of... Uh, Pennsylvania fish and uh, wildlife or whatever it is that department or has she been like placed in there or is she just wearing the stuff like a sheep in, or a wolf in sheep's clothing what, what do you think
4: um, I had the idea that she was she was placed there so she was she was given all the documentation and authority just somebody made a phone call like this is what has to happen
6: hmm. um,
4: and uh, I think she does know a thing or two about predatory nature, um, but not necess- her passion is not necessarily in the context that she portrays. Um, she's a predator herself. And that's, I think that's the fascination for her, and that's the useful skill that um, the Order has honed in on. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. That sort of singular focus, and, and the inner tor- turmoil that she has to be able to get her to do things
1: yeah it, it, it's such a paradox like her character is a paradox because she's so you you are so small she is such a small character mm-hmm. but she is she has such a command presence mm-hmm.
4: it was one of the things that i uh, really attracted me to her when i read the book and definitely in the sides uh, in the book she's described as being diminutive
1: mm-hmm.
4: um and and of playing things very close to the you know close to the vest doesn't show her cards much and really kind of unconcerned with how people think of her, even though she, like, uses all these tactics to make sure that there's sort of no bad blood. She doesn't really care. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if I could interrupt you, sure. uh, Candice, I think we have a caller on the line, which Sweet. could could be Mark Ver- Verheiden.
6: Verheiden. <clears throat> Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, uh, is this Mark? Yep.
1: Oh hi Mark, hi, Mark. Uh, this is Sean O with uh, After Buzz TV's Hemlock Grove Podcast uh, Thank you so much for joining us this evening Sure
4: <laughs> Hi Mr. Verheiden, it's Candace
0: Hey Candace, how are you?
4: I'm good, how are you?
0: I am excellent
4: I'm virtually hugging you <laughs>
2: I'm virtually accepting. <laughs>
4: Very good.
1: I'm uh, glad
2: they like each other. <laughs> <laughs> they no. go way back.
1: <laughs> so, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your background, Mark, and like what what kind of a uh, uh, what kind of other shows you've uh, been uh, as a, been a producer for, and how did you get your start in show business?
4: Oh, I know, I know. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how did I get my start in show business? Wow. <laughs> um uh, well I'll, I'll give you the short version basically um always wanted to write always wanted to write movies and television um wrote a couple features in the early uh blah 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 i won't mention the dates but uh <laughs> there were time cop with jean-claude van damme and the mask with jim carrey and um, loved both those movies mm-hmm. mask was awesome mm-hmm. started with that and then uh time cop was turned into a tv show and that sort of led to a television career that's Gone since then And I've worked on um, uh, Smallville uh, Candace knows Battlestar Galactica Yep yeah. <laughs> um, Heroes uh, Falling Skies I wrote an episode Of Caprica And uh, And now Hemlock uh, Grove So I've done a lot of Genre type shows Over the years um, And Love that world So that has been really fun
1: Yeah it seems like you You have a lot Of experience with Sci-fi and fantasy stuff Which I love I love science fiction um, myself,
3: yeah. And cool. speaking of sci-fi, like I love Smallville. That's one of my all-time favorite mm-hmm. shows too. What is it about the sci-fi genre that's so appealing to you, and has in in turn really built your career?
0: Um, you know, I, I can't. I guess I just love that the there are fewer rules than there are in in sort of straighter non-genre material. Um, I, I did one cop show once, and it was okay. <laughs> but, you know, the thing about a cop show is, you know, you're arresting people and pulling guns and shooting and the bullet hits them, and that's kind of it. And, um, by the way, I love law and order, and I love all those procedurals, so there's there's a craft to that I really enjoy. But uh, what I love about science fiction and horror is that the rules don't always count. You make up your own rules. I think you have to be true to those rules, but... You know, you can fire a gun, but it doesn't necessarily have to kill who it hits, or it turns who it hits into something else, or it hits a werewolf, and it's a whole different thing. So, mm-hmm. it, just the rules are different, and I think there's a lot more room to be imaginative and have fun with, um, just just be imaginative. Uh, I actually got my start way back uh, writing comic books, and a very visual medium, and I wrote Superman and Superman mm-hmm. and Batman, and uh, stories like that. Um, so the just those worlds just have always sort of drawn me in.
5: How did it come to be that you got drawn into Hemlock Grove?
0: Well, um, <laughs> what would happen, basically, I got, you know, it's classic sort of Hollywood. I got a call from my agent who said, you ought to read this not novel, which at the time was still in galleys, uh, Brian McVeigh's novel, Hemlock Grove. Uh, they sent it to me while I was working on another show. I was actually on Falling Skies then. And read it and went, wow, this is a very different sort of take on uh, the whole mythology of werewolves and vampires and, you know, kind of in quotes, Frankenstein's monster. And also, Brian had a very unique style that, that I really responded to. And they said, and so long story short, we, we talked a while and they said, uh, you want to come on board? And I said, sure.
4: Yay. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Thank you.
6: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh yeah, that's funny that you mentioned like the the take on Frankenstein's monster, because this is this episode that we're on right now, uh, we're talking about uh, episode eleven: the price, and it's it's even more in your face than the other episodes have been. Uh, even Norman uh, says it he says like oh, the, the only thing we're missing here is torches and pitchforks from the <laughs> local townspeople right. and it, and they're they're on like a witch hunt, but obviously for werewolves though
0: mm hmm uh, yeah, and actually Eleven has one of my favorite scenes that I was able to work on. Um, and I'm sorry, my scenes with Candace, of course, are my favorite. <laughs> but, um, nice save, Mr. Between, Verheide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It, it, well, anyway, my favorite <laughs> scene was uh, between Roman and Shelley um, in this episode. and it's And it's interesting. It's a scene that we discussed shooting, not uh, shooting, and um, ultimately, we won out and, and, and shot it—not won out. I mean, we we just shot it and it turned out great. What I like is it—it's such a human side of Roman, but it also shows that there's sort of a sadness in Shelley, which she's mm-hmm. she's a difficult character to articulate in the show since she she doesn't speak. She does talk through the the voice machine, but um, I just thought it was sweet very sweet moment where, you know, she wonders what she looks like in Roman's head, because she knows he's just had this long dream where, um, I'm not sure if she knows for sure that he was dreaming about her, but guesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and Anyway, that was just a really lovely scene, and, and so some of the stuff about pitches, pitchforks and torches and things like that, that obviously was sort of tying into the whole Frankenstein idea.
3: Now we've had past guests on the show, and they've all uh, a few of them have mentioned that Shelley is their favorite character on Hemlock Grove because she's more like the heart of the character uh, of the storyline, and that she's so layered and mysterious, but yet she's so kind and gentle. Um, who are who is your favorite character on Hemlock Grove, and why? Well,
0: it's Doctor Sewer, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Obviously, you know, <laughs> yeah. second ahead. favorite then. <laughs> it's like picking your your sort of favorite child. I mean, I, every character on the show had an aspect that made them really fun to write, and and when you found that sort of place you could go with those characters, that was that was great. Um, look, I, I just liked them all. There was a great rapport between Peter and and Roman. Um, Norman had some great moments. I, I, I like what we did with uh, Norman in episode eleven. Um, Chosur and uh, Sworn had some great scenes uh, together which were really fun to write because obviously I was in Battlestar and I love Aaron and I love Candace and it was fantastic to be able to get them both cast on this show and see them working together. That that was really fun. Um, is is great. Uh, I mean, so it's a long way of saying I'm not going to pick one. But, <laughs> uh, but they all brought sort of a different skill set and a different tone to what we were doing, and, and that made it fun to write each one of them their own way.
5: Were there any um, surprises or challenges in working on this series versus other projects that you've worked on?
0: Oh, there's always surprises. There's always <laughs> challenges. Um, I think, um, you know, doing a first-year show is always just a challenge in that everything is has to be figured out. You know, what does everybody wear? What do those buildings look like? What a what does the White Tower look like? And so there was a lot of R&D involved in figuring out sort of what the world of Hemlock Grove would look like. It comes down to what's the patch on Chaucer's jacket. I remember having a discussion about that. The tattoo she has. We went through a dozen different tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that's one of the challenges of doing a first-year show. You know, I think ultimately it was... Um, they're all challenges. I haven't been on a show yet where you, 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 know, you put your feet up and go, oh, it's running smooth as a clock. Great. put away for a while. Um, but, uh, and I think another challenge was Shelly and just trying to get Shelly right because there were some earlier permutations of her. Uh, we did a little reshooting uh, just, just to find the, sort of the right tone for her, um, you know, to, that she's somewhat grotesque but not so grotesque you're thrown out of empathizing with her. Um, And there were other challenges, but those were sort of the big ones uh, up front. Can
4: I say that Mr. Verheiden was always on set when he was available? He was always there to answer questions. And as an actor, that's such a great gift because, as he's talking about, you know, there are all these details and intricacies of the world that you're working in. And uh, to have one of the masterminds of it or, you know, someone who can explain things to you. And endlessly gracious and endlessly patient, he was always there uh, with whatever silly actor question I had. Um, and sometimes it was, do we need this line? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is this an oh, actable moment? <laughs> you know, you know this, is, this is always the thing between actors and writers. Now, do I have to say this or can I act it? <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, writers always want you to say it. It, it, it is a funny dichotomy it. there. It, it is. I mean, and, and I've experienced it on, with many people. Uh, what's funny is most of the time, and I hate to say it, you actors are right. Um,
5: yeah. <laughs> Somebody write that
0: down. You can download
5: else. that snippet um, later my podcast. <laughs> we got that
0: write line. That down. But we, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll put it in text because we need it to come out. You know, it needs to be an emotion or it needs to be something that needs to come out in the scene but um, a, a, an excellent actor like Candace and like everyone in the cast, frankly, they're able to take uh, what we're giving them in, in, in a line and maybe do it with a look or do, do it with a shorter line or with one line instead of three um, but those are all the sort of discussion points you have a lot when you're on set um, but this was a great group and, and everybody was really into sort of the feel and the tone and the the, the different sense that Hemlock Grove had and 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 that made it easier because everybody was sort of drawn into the the different world of it.
1: For you, what is the biggest difference um, producing a show like uh, on Hemlock Grove Grove that's on Netflix versus doing like a traditional television or a feature film?
0: Well, there were a couple things. One, I think, was the idea going in that we were basically doing a 13-hour movie. Um, This was not necessarily episodic in the sense that every episode, you know, was closed-ended and, or solved a mystery or, or whatever. And so, um, I mean, but that's serialized, and, and there are other shows that are serialized like that. Um, for me, the big difference, and what was, what was fun was, first of all, the fact knowing that most of them... We didn't know going in that all 13 would be up at once, but we knew a bunch would be up at once, that people could really just get into this world. So, we didn't necessarily have to... Um, I guess, you know, over-explain as much as sometimes you do in network shows, where you're you're trying to make sure people are caught up to what you're doing. Um, and then the other big difference, frankly, for me, I'd never worked on a television show. It didn't have commercials and act breaks and um, sort of all the restrictions of network or uh, basic cable television, like language and um, how many clothes you have on and all that sort of stuff. Clearly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we were able to, to sort of just be uncensored in that sense of, of language, and, uh, and, and that was fun. Um, I have to say, I got used to it, like, in a minute. So it wasn't hard to get used to not having to find six arbitrary act breaks in 42 minutes, which you really need to do on network television. Um, these could just flow
3: um I, I read somewhere that you guys didn't have rehearsals before a shooting. Is that true? Um, rehearsals are
4: a bit of a luxury. Um, yeah, that's in my experience, particularly in television. Oh, oh. We there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start again. Uh rehearsals are a bit of a luxury <laughs> uh in in the world of television. It's very fast paced and um I know as as an actor for me it you're sort of trained to be responsible for yourself so whatever rehearsing you do do it in your trailer <laughs> if one of the actors wants to join you that's awesome uh, but it's not guaranteed he'll actually be there in the scene <laughs> um so yeah rehearsals are kind of a uh, a luxury of movie production
3: did not having any rehearsals did that enhance your performance creatively because you you could just kind of go with the flow in that sense?
4: Yeah, I mean, not to say there was no rehearsal, but usually in television, rehearsal uh, is a very technical thing. It's about camera marks and props. Right. Uh, and less about what two actors are doing. Um, you know, what was great about this cast is you could really trust people to, to be their characters um, and to be able to be in the moment with that. So, yeah, it was kind of fun going, well... I know my lines, but I don't really know what the scene is going to be. Uh, We'll just, uh, hey, how you doing? Good morning.
1: (laughs) Uh, We're going to go ahead and wrap it up with you, Mark, with the next couple of questions. Uh, What other projects are you working on right now, or do you have coming up in the near future?
0: Well, right now we're waiting to see what will happen with Hemlock. But um, beyond that, uh, I just finished a feature... That um, for a uh, which hasn't been announced yet, so I can't really talk about it. But it's a really oh. cool eye um, <laughs> sort of feature, and um, various other things in the pipeline. You know, as, as a writer, I've been doing this quite a while. You always try to keep multiple balls in the air. Um, obviously, fingers crossed on Hemlock, and but um, you always you know keep keep try to keep your options open. So we'll see what happens. Nice.
1: Where is the best place to follow you, our fans, here at AfterBuzz? Where where can they go ahead and find you at? Do you have a social media platform that you like to use the most, or do you have a website? Oh, do
0: I have a social media platform? <laughs> um, I follow on you Twitter. on Twitter. <laughs> uh, so it's just at Mark Verheiden, all one word. And I have a blog, which is called mm-hmm. Famous Mark Verheiden's mm-hmm. Filmland, which oh. will only make sense to old people. Um, LAUGHTER And uh, I'm not on that as much as I used to be I've been on Twitter more But uh, on that blog I I have talked a lot about Hemlock I talk about writing And I talk about uh, um, movies Like today I saw The Purge And so I'll probably review that Oh, excellent um, It shows you how busy I am I'm seeing movies in the middle of the day (laughs) Did you Uh, like it? Probably those two places (laughs) Oh, and Facebook You can find me on Facebook too
1: Okay, very oh, good. Great. Well, Mark Verheiden, uh, the producer for Hemlock Grove, thank you so much for joining us here at AfterBuzz TV's Hemlock Grove
0: podcast. Thanks a lot. Bye, Candace. Bye, Mark. See you later. <laughs> bye. Okay, <well>. Bye. <laughs> bye.
4: Well, that was awesome. Yeah. Thank He's you great. so much.
3: Uh-huh. Nice little reunion. Yeah. yeah.
4: He's, okay. sweet. He's sweet like sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Got
5: a great voice. I could listen to him all day. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Very calming. Yeah. Yes. On set too. When he was there, he was a very calming presence. It'd be like, craziness going on. And i just like to stand next to him. Yeah.
5: Like <laughs> i want to hear him tell stories. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's awesome. So, uh, <laughs> Last thing we're going to talk about before our news and gossip. Can is I bring up
5: one thing before oh. you get into the final topic? It's bouncing back a couple oh, topics yeah. ago. Yeah, but I wanted to ask your guys' his thoughts on this. So it's just a quick one. Sorry. to. Um, so you t- we talked about Roman and Olivia having that moment when they're looking in the mirror and stuff. And he said when he told her that sometimes when I look at people, I can make them do whatever I say. And then she says, you know, so much alike. So I wanted to see your guys' opinions on whether you thought, because I thought Norman was acting a little different when she, when he was like, okay, in six months, I'm going to get the divorce and, you know, be, basically be with her. And I was wondering, do you think she ever, like, she uses that stuff on Norman to get what she wants with him?
3: <laughs> sorry, I was mm-hmm. going to ask the exact same thing.
5: <laughs> I meant to bring it up earlier, and I'm sorry, but I didn't want to leave tonight without talking about that one on this episode. Because mm. he seems, to me, he, the character seems different in, in those scenes. And Maybe we can get your opinion on it. like He seems not as in control as when he's dealing with the kids.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. I feel mm-hmm. like there was a really big, like tone change. Like when when he walked into his study or his office wherever it is in, in the mental hospital he, at first, he's kind of adversarial with her. He's like, oh, you just want sex. That's all you're here for. And and I think there's that, that big change because we've talked about it a little bit and there's been allusions to it in the show where Olivia does something to the men she's mm-hmm. with. She mm-hmm. has like a power over them and I'm wondering what if she has some kind of Okay, she's not the. Maybe she's not the vampire in the traditional sense, like where she just needs blood. Maybe mm-hmm. she needs sexual energy. Maybe that's what she feeds off of from the men, or maybe even women that she's with. Succubus. A, succub- and a term. succubus. Too. Oh, okay. Yes, thank you But Steven. if you
3: think about it, like vampires and, uh, and and from other variations of stories of the vampires and upirs and whatnot, like they're very sexual human beings, or yeah. maybe not human, but uh, they're very sexual beings, and so I think it just makes sense. It's true to the, the nature of upeers and vampires. Mm-hmm. I, I looked at that scene, and I, I saw what you were talking about, but
2: I also thought that Olivia has true feelings for Norman, or at least I want to believe that, and that he's the one person who she doesn't actually use her powers for. For to get what she wants. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah, I don't think it's anything as direct as what uh, Roman is doing. And in a way, Mm -hmm. like, Roman is still kind of new. He's like a young pup. He's like, Mm -hmm. he's got this thing, and he sort of does it, and it's kind of raw and unwielded. Whereas Olivia has had so much time to hone what she Mm -hmm. does. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it comes across in a subtler way. But I I do think there are feelings between um, her and Norman and I think with Norman, I think that's that's like the bane of his existence mm-hmm. is that the the draw is not because he's being manipulated out of his out of his control or out of his consciousness, but that he actually wants to be with her
3: mm-hmm.
4: as much as he hates it.
3: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. there was that quick scene in tonight's episode where you know Olivia goes to. Norman, and then uh, at the end of the scene, uh, Norman was like, "I meant it." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's it. And Olivia, there's that quick moment where Olivia frowned because in the mm-hmm. other past times, the very first time we saw them two sleep together, uh, Norman just said stoically, uh, "I meant it," and you can clearly tell he didn't. So it makes me think that maybe throughout those time that Olivia has been you know, glamoring him or, or yeah. what's whatsoever mm. throughout this, and then this time he actually does mean it, so maybe there is some level that he does naturally care for Olivia and actually is in love.
5: Yeah, that's how I kind of felt too, because she also says, after he says that, she says, what what makes you think I don't already know that, or I don't know that? Yeah. So, it was awesome, and then I noticed the frown after as well, that's why I c- kind of questioned what power she is doing or not doing to him, but, so anyway, that's Definitely.
1: it. <laughs> yeah, no worries. So, um, Peter he does this incantation he um he sends Roman out for an mm-hmm. errand to go ahead and get stuff and we don't even see everything we, I guess he uses it later on we see some of the stuff he uses he he creates a circle he uses chalk to outline it um, he, he puts down what bones and then there's some like a bunch of candles obviously yeah. and he chalks some weird lettering mm-hmm. or symbols yeah. yeah and then he's speaking like uh Romany incantations mm-hmm. while he's like, waving his medallion or whatever he wears, like, around in the center, and whatever he did, it didn't seem to work at first, and then he gets
5: Casper. Oh, <laughs> poor Casper. Yeah.
2: But I knew something was gonna happen to that poor cat as soon as Linda was like, Peter loves that cat. I'm like, oh, crap,
3: the cat's gonna, something's gonna happen to the cat now.
1: Yeah. And he just, I, I'm glad they didn't show it, because that oh, would have been sad, yeah. but, uh,
3: Poor Roman couldn't handle it either. He had yeah. to mm-hmm. like physically leave. I and like, it, like yeah. that part. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh, he's such a baby. This coming from the guy who
1: raped someone. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't
2: handle a cat's heart being ripped out. He, he wasn't
1: either. in the right state of mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> but what was it that Peter cut out of the cat? Was it the heart? Yes. Yeah. Okay, that would okay. make the most okay. sense. It's It was so tiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: I was going to say, like, gallbladder or something, but that's <laughs> <laughs> some random it's organ. Okay. Yeah. So, I don't know. Heart's going to be a little smaller than, like, a human one. Yeah. 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 Totally makes sense. But, but <laughs> the reason why uh, Peter did this whole incantation is because they were trying to figure out why the far gulf um, changed and it wasn't the correct full moon. And they're like, "Can is that possible? And, mm-hmm. you know, they have to go to destiny to figure out a way to have Peter change when it's not the correct full moon
1: that's right and uh what was actually really fascinating is that destiny is so in tune with stuff mm-hmm. but even with her she's just like uh she explains the whole things about magic and it's like oh magic you know there's rules and magic like everybody else or like everything else there's rules but it's on, they're only rules because we follow them and uh, the rules can still be broken which is pretty nuts yeah. pretty crazy and uh she says okay well if if peter wants to break the rules about you know turning he needs to it's going to be a high price mm-hmm. and he he reveals like the price is going to be his face so it's like wait it's his face what is he going to do to his face is he going to cut his face off is is he going to burn his face because when when the thing kind of doesn't work later on he asks for um doesn't he ask for like wax bacon grease
4: bacon, bacon. bacon, yes. bacon
1: grease and um he, he and i was like dude is he gonna like burn his face off with that? Is yeah. he gonna start a fire and like, <laughs> I, was like get a, I was being really creative i was like okay is he gonna get like a mold to put like the, <laughs> the wax bacon wax grease on his face and then like okay this is my face incantation it's not really this yeah i'm gonna keep my face but this is what you, you know you think it's gonna be my face i don't know
3: but they're uh, going back to destiny there was a an interesting line when P, uh, when Roman went there to see her um, she's like you really don't know what you are hmm
2: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
3: yeah mm-hmm. mysterious. Yeah. and he still <laughs> yeah I was like I still don't
1: know if he knows what he is no he, he still doesn't all he knows is that he can manipulate people he can do suggestions to people and then they just listen to him
3: yeah and then you're a sahastra all right, I'm probably butchering that word sometimes it glows <laughs> <laughs> because if you look it up it's like chakras Oh, yeah, it's mm-hmm. your crown, yeah, chakra. It's crown chakra, chakra? chakra. Yeah, it's the crown chakra. It's located near oh, the like head, yeah. if you think about it. Uh-huh.
1: Oh. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, like, what's going to glow later on? Yeah. Shelly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's been glowing the whole mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, fast forward a little bit. Peter, He the, the thing doesn't really look like it's working until he gets the heart out. And then he becomes zombified, and he just, like, yeah. walks off into the into the graveyard mm-hmm. and he has that flashback which is a really powerful one it's very revealing and we kind of mentioned it a little bit mm-hmm. earlier with um he, he's remembering nikolai his grandfather right that's yeah. his grandfather mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. telling him a story about the upiers and world war Two upiers and it's like wow it's <laughs> it's pretty nuts and it shows how he gets that mark that's mm-hmm. on his neck and it, it shows like the 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 antagonism between werewolves and the Upiers, and how long like it's it's been Mm -hmm. going on for generations.
2: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I wonder if that was like Roman's line of Upiers that were fighting, and you know, it could be like a whole holes thing. How the two feuding families now their descendants are coming together to merge as one and maybe break the cycle.
3: It also shows you don't mess with Oopiers. So yeah. No, no.
6: <laughs> not, <laughs> not
4: to be trifled with. Not the, Oh, go ahead, Candace. He was cold-blooded looking. A yeah. oh, yeah. flashback Oopier. There was something. My, I mean, my favorite part about that scene was was when Peter just kind of lips off Nikolai. Yeah. <laughs> <And> he's like, <laughs> yeah. "Great, thanks for the information, but." <laughs> <laughs>
6: F- uh, yeah. yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> you know, he is my friend, and he is different, and we can actually do something about this situation. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna follow in your footsteps because, pe- you know, you're legend and we talk about you. But really, I've had to walk around with this curse and not really enjoy the freedom and the community that I'm entitled to because of you. Mm-hmm. And why would I want to carry that on?
6: You know. Mm-hmm.
4: Exactly.
1: He doesn't want to be a gaucho anymore.
4: Right. <laughs>
3: he breaks wow, tradition. Such a cool though.
6: <laughs> <laughs> <It is pretty laughs> <weird. laughs>
1: so yeah, that upir. Uh, it's. I think the Nazi upirs are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> They're the most evil looking.
4: Nazi everything. They're <laughs> <Bad. laughs> yeah. Nazi in front of
1: it and just bad. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Little funny connection here, actually. There's uh, one of the, let's see, I was interviewing somebody from Spartacus, uh, Barry Duffield, and he has a story coming out about Nazi werewolves. Here we go. Oh. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. A little off topic there. Well, let's go back. Let's let, before we talk about our news and gossip, let's go ahead and interview our wonderful guest, Candice. Let's let's hear about. Oh, don't do that. Don't hide from us.
4: The money maker.
1: So uh, tell us, how did you get your start being an actress? And like, tell us a little bit about your background first, and then how you like kind of work into how you got into being an actress.
4: Oh, um. I didn't intend to be an actress, I, I grew up in South Africa, in Durban, in a, you know, middle class community. I was a regular kid, had a pink BMX, black wheels, I <laughs> loved <laughs> it.
6: Um,
4: um, I come from a family of academics on my mother's side, so it was like, you go to school and you go to university and that sort of thing, uh, but I immigrated to Canada when I was 11. It didn't really stick right away. I went back to South Africa um, in my teen years. I missed my friends. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you're a teenager and you Mm want to, like, hang out with cute boys. (laughs) 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 Um, But I actually got my start. uh, It was the year I had graduated high school and I was working a couple of jobs and I didn't really know what to do. Um, I had to work to go to school. I had uh, a couple scholarships, but I'm sort of on the fence. So I, I I was taking a gap year. And uh, somebody called my mom looking to cast the role of a 17-year-old South African girl who could do the accent
6: mm.
4: for a fringe play. It was a local theater festival in Vancouver. And he thought of my mother, but my mother sort of said, well, I'll ask my daughter. <laughs> Who was actually 17.
6: <laughs>
4: um, I turned 18 during the course of rehearsals. But, yeah, it was like a whole new world. You know, he gave me a chance to, to play this character. And he sort of gave me the script. And I started figuring it out. Um, I had to learn all sorts of things about theater, particularly. Uh, but, yeah, we, we played the Fringe Festival. and it was a lot of fun. I definitely caught the bug being in front of an audience. Um, I'd always liked being in front of an audience and as a kid like i would put on little pageants and stuff in the (laughs) neighborhood (laughs) do dances and (laughs) train dogs to do tricks and like invite everyone over (laughs) um but the place where we rehearsed it's called the william b davis uh center in vancouver you guys probably know william b davis he was the smoking guy from x-files cancer man yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. he ran an acting school in vancouver and uh He watched me in the master class a couple of times. We put our scene up, and um, he came to see the play. And he very quietly, without saying anything to anyone, called his agent, and his agent called me. Now, I just came home to, like, the weirdest message of my life on my mother's answering (laughs) machine. (laughs)
6: Mm -hmm.
4: Hi, I'm Richard Lucas, and a friend of mine told me to call you. My mother's like, who is this guy? I'm like, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Some strange man, they're calling for you.
4: You know, he's calling... (laughs) And I sort of ignored him for a little while, but he kept calling. And uh, I went into the office, and he sort of gave me something to read, and he kind of went, well, you're very green, and you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to give you a shot, because uh, William asked me to.
1: All right. Oh, wow. And
4: um, he sent me on a, my first audition, it was for an M.O.W., um, starring Lou Diamond Phillips, and <laughs> he was really setting me up for failure because the, the role was actually for a guy. <laughs> but they were having a hard time casting it, and they had seen everyone, and they didn't know what to do, so they're like, here you go. See this girl. She came out of nowhere. Let's see what she can do. Uh, and, I, and I booked it. Um, and then I booked, I think, not my second, but my third audition, I want to say, which was Higher Ground, Mm-hmm. Uh, which, basically, within kind of a two-week stretch, I secured a year and a half of acting work. Nice. And on that first show, I just—I really learned everything. The director would be like, "Okay, Candice, you're going to enter the scene. You're going to hit your mark. Make sure you turn towards your light. Like you're on a camera. Don't look at the lens." <laughs> 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 and I'd be like, "What's my mark?" where's the light? (laughs) And they were really patient with me. But um, that's kind of how I learned was being on the sets of TV shows. Definitely higher ground taught me a lot. And I just kept saying, you know, I'll go back to school eventually. Let me just keep doing this until, you know, as I keep getting jobs. And uh, I just kept working and kept learning. And after a while, I just couldn't fathom the idea of having to sit still. Because <laughs> uh, I got to do all this cool stuff and meet all these cool people, so.
2: Yeah, I actually mm-hmm. read that you were going to go to school, go to med school. And yeah. you said your mom's family is a family of academics, so um, when you decided to kind of go the acting route, were they still very supportive or did, does mom still want you to be a doctor <laughs> one yeah. day? Um, you are a doctor. Well, yeah. a doctor. <laughs> I mean, you're a doctor now, so. I
4: play one on TV. <laughs> um... Yes, I mean it's funny my I wanted to follow in the footsteps of my grandfather, who was this really um, kind of revolutionary um, obstetric surgeon in South Africa. And he would talk to me about things, and it fascinated me. Uh, but he actually didn't want me to get into medicine. He's <laughs> like, it's a service industry, kid. You need to be an electrician. Or <laughs> you need a skill that people need that they can't do themselves. <laughs> and I'm like, but you deliver babies. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I strung them along for a while with the whole, like, like- no, I just, I'm just going to finish this one job. And then, totally, applications are going in. (laughs) Absolutely. And they would worry about me for a long time. I remember actually having to, I sent my grandfather when he was still alive, one of my pay steps. Because they were always so worried. They're like, are you eating? Can you pay your rent? We hear things about actors. It's terrible. What are you doing? Call us. We'll send you money. (laughs) But I was like, "I'm, I'm actually okay. I'm actually doing it. Um, I'm surviving and I think once I started appearing on South African television and I actually recently uh, got a feature little article in a South African newspaper and it was the first time that I had been published as an actress Mm -hmm. or publicized as an actress in South Africa and I was like they'll believe me <laughs> <laughs> <After> <laughs> the, num- the number one question is always like so have you made it candace are you on days of our lives <laughs> because that is like that's if you make it on a soapy in south africa that that's it <laughs> it's the pinnacle
1: what attracted you to get onto hemlock grove
4: um no, as Mr. Verheiden was saying, it was very a typical sort of Hollywood story in Toronto. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was an audition, and I saw the sides, and I loved them. I remember, like, being obsessed with them right away, um, just walking around with them all day and, like... Whenever I was waiting for things, I'd go because she had these massive speeches uh, in the audition, and um,
1: a lot of monologues too. Mm.
4: The ba- the audition was basically a monologue <laughs> 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 with Peter saying a couple things, <laughs> um, but I just I was really attracted to her. The idea that she was small um, and brown. And underestimated. And yet she was uh, this powerhouse, really. Mm -hmm. I could tell that she uh, would be a character to kind of catalyze the storyline. That she would go in and move things around um, within the story. And that she seemed to have all these layers. In the audition, I just took the opportunity to be kind of out of the box. Um, I felt that coming from the material. I felt like this writer was someone who appreciated quirkiness. And this was kind of a weird world to begin with. I mean, we've seen werewolves and vampires before, but this was a little less clean, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. A little less pretty. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: A lot more gritty, a lot more ambiguous.
4: Right. Um, And more like people. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I really took the opportunity to just kind of... I did all sorts of things that you're not supposed to do in auditions. I turned my back to the camera... I crouched below lens. I talked to the cat. (laughs) 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 You know, it was supposed to be all serious and, like, investigatory. And I kind of just laughed and, you know, made fun of him (laughs) most of the time. And um, I really think that's what got me the job. And then I was so relieved because I was like, my people. (laughs) Here's a set where I can kind of... uh, be more um, creative and kind of be more myself in a way
3: uh yeah mm-hmm. i agree like shester is one of my favorite characters throughout hemlock grove and you play her amazingly um i love the fact that it's like she's so deductive like kind of like sherlock holmes-esque because when we see her investigate the crime scene in one of your first few episodes she just the things that she says she knows that this kind of person this like five-foot-whatever person walked to the scene calmly and then ran off in this distance frantically. Okay. So, like, yeah. all these little details that she can just pick up on, and she's so smart. And the thing about Shasora is that she's she asks all the questions that the audience mm-hmm. are wondering, and she just gets under the skin of everybody And at <laughs> my Grove. I know. It was so fun.
4: <laughs> How was it playing that? Um, yeah, you know, speaking with Brian McGreevy, there were all these... Uh, There were all these layers to her and all these directions that he sent me on. Um, And not always actable directions, but uh, to me as a person, fascinating, because I love that kind of stuff. I bought all these books about hunting and tracking um, and studied Mm -hmm. Tom Brown and Tom Brown Jr. And uh, (laughs) I think people in my neighborhood thought I was nutty because I would walk around the... um, the muddy field and the track after it rained and, like, crouch Hmm. around and look at people's footprints. (laughs) 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 And, like, I'd be sitting and staring at branches for 15 minutes (laughs) trying to figure out, like, when's the last time somebody walked through here? But the science of it was really fascinating to me. And people can actually do this. Mm -hmm, Um, There is a skill level uh, there Mm. and a really ancient one. So there were all these great, like, things that, personally got me really geeked out. (laughs) But then I get to play this person who, like, knows the hell out of them,
3: you know, Mm -hmm. and is
4: kind of smarter than everyone in the room um, and clearly has the buttons to push.
3: Oh, most definitely. (laughs)
4: Yeah, she was a lot of fun. I mean, um, it's... I wouldn't say rare because I find more of it, particularly in television writing, but um, it's always great as a female actor and particularly a female actor of color, I would have to say, um, in mainstream television, you, you're often playing a, a role or a type, or, like, you're someone's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, or you're this person um, in the context of the ensemble. Uh, but uh, it was so great to play a character and, um, uh, and, a, and a story tool. You know, she had uh, so much to do and something to be. Um, That was completely sovereign, that she was her own person and all those struggles and turmoils came from her and her decisions, not um, sort of in response to someone else or someone else's character.
5: That was kind of my question. I love seeing a strong female character like this, and I think I also read that you're a kickboxer. Is that correct?
4: Like oh, gosh, I haven't in <laughs> the longest time since Charlie busted my knee. Uh, yes, um, I did kickbox for about two years uh, at Champions Kickboxing in North Vancouver, <laughs> Canada. Um, I had an amazing uh, teacher, and she was amazing because she really believed in me, um, and usually believing in me sounded like everyone do 15, Candice, do 35. (laughs) 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 At the time, I was like, why? (gasps) Um, But now I realize, you know, people push you harder Mm -hmm. when they see potential in you. Mm -hmm. Um, I also, really, I stopped because I got to the level of sparring, where you had to spar in order to get uh, more belts. And, as an actress, <laughs> would
6: <laughs>
4: I was like no no no
2: protect,
4: <laughs> Gotta protect the moneymaker. This is not going any further. I love you guys. I'm gonna take my high orange belt, <laughs> and it's been
6: cool.
5: <laughs> well, you're obviously a very strong female. Is there another role, or do you have like a, a dream role that, or another strong female role that you would like to someday play?
4: Um, I, you know. I would actually really like to play a superhero. We don't often Mm -hmm. get to see female superheroes, particularly that aren't, like, Mm -hmm. Mm hyper-sexualized. And, listen, women are kind of superheroes because we have that tool. (laughs) 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 Sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Nature's not fair. You're slightly stronger, but we have the thing.
6: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Awesome. It all balances out.
4: Mm -hmm. Um... But, yeah, you know, I, I want to I be a female superhero, a, a person with a good heart who does good, who uses their powers for positive things um, and who has a every-person persona and who has a flaw that they try and protect. When mm-hmm. I was a little girl, I would uh, put a towel around my neck. Uh, I still have that towel. (laughs) (laughs) It says fun in the sun on it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I have this great picture of me in like full superhero stance. And I'm probably six years old. Uh And I really believed I could be Uh She-Ra. I was like, it's going to happen. I'm going to be She-Ra. I would like run around the playground and be like, you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I can see you being the next Celine, you know, taking out werewolves and whatnot, running around clad armor.
4: I got it, you know, I got to wear a cape once on Andromeda, and uh, I've got the taste for it.
2: Did you you take the cape home with you? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) all right, we we won't answer that one. But if you had, if you could have any superpower, what would it be?
4: Since you're so into this whole superhero (laughs) thing, man. You know, I auditioned uh, for Alphas. Oh, um, that's a great show. For uh, uh, Laurel, Laurel. Oh yeah, Morrell's role. uh, Yeah, Nina.
3: Yeah, Nina. Nina. Nina.
4: Nina. Nina. Uh, I was in South Africa and I couldn't send the file. (gasps) Oh, frustrating! (laughs) So frustrating. I did get to be on Alphas and play uh, have a, a really cool superpower. Some. Somewhat painful superpower, but um, I liked that. I liked that sort of like a new peer that she could mm-hmm. get close to people and change their emotional state.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, mm-hmm. But I kind of think people have that power anyway. Yeah. Um, you know,
1: especially I, women.
4: Especially <laughs> women. <laughs> but did you know that like your your state of being, your emotional state uh, affects not only the person next to you but three people after them. Oh, mm. I believe it. Three more interactions away from the one that you just had. You can transfer that, uh, that funky state. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> or that happy state. That's a happy one. Right?
1: I actually wanted to, uh, this is a spoiler alert for anybody who's listening right now, but we got to see uh, what happens. Spoiler alert to Chasseur in episode 12 and in episode 12 <sighs> yeah. oh my goodness you're in you're in the cage you, you wake up and uh, Olivia's in there she just keeps talking at you you you, es- you escape and and then we don't see what happens to you for a while right but you are just bloodied up later the next time we see you and you mm. you you have what did she do did she eat your breasts off of you
4: she flayed me. Yeah, she oh. she tore the skin from from my body.
6: Well,
1: wow. except the head. Yeah. Except the head. Yeah so what was it like like how much makeup did you have to go through for that scene
4: um it wasn't comfortable I'm not gonna lie
6: <laughs>
4: do you see when Price is speaking and you can see his breath mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh for the ones who have seen it you can see his breath that speaks to how cold it was oh. in that, oh, that giant in effect. giant warehouse I with no windows oh my gosh at like 11 o'clock at night wow. in Toronto in ooh. December
3: ooh just
4: painted a little picture for you there <laughs> um, no but it was really cool uh, what... It's actu- actually a prosthetic piece, kind of made like a sweater. Hey. Uh, so I have, um, like, a uh, tube top on underneath. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I put it on like a shirt. <clears throat> and then mm. they dressed it uh, with um, pieces that kind of looked like, you know, the rolled up skin um, and the, the goopy kind of blood. Um, and, yeah, they did an amazing job. Yeah. Uh, but I had to, I had to stay there because uh, fake blood gets kind of sticky, mm-hmm. so you can't really move around too much. And then if you sit, and your pants kind of get stuck to themselves, and it's really hard to take them all apart. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you can't sit on stuff, and like. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I just kind of had to lie there and meditate <laughs> um, a lot. But I, I really love that scene. I love that uh, it was with Dr. Price. I think they are in another world they would be friends
6: mm-hmm.
4: I imagined that he uh, didn't doesn't actually kill me that he just knocks me out with some chemical in his in his uh, handkerchief and he fetters me Back to the tower, and he's
1: gonna do something cool with me. Bring you, <laughs> <laughs> bring, you
4: back to life.
1: bring you back to life, like yeah. Shelly.
5: I know. Maybe right. second book or the <laughs> second, yeah. season. second season. Well, I mean, he has perfected
4: his technology mm-hmm. since mm-hmm. Shelly, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You know, Shelly was kind of an intense situation, mm-hmm. but now he's he's probably got some options. He's Probably got some finesse about it.
1: It had to be uh, mm-hmm. it had yeah. to be closer to infancy before, mm-hmm. but now you know it's been 18 mm-hmm. years almost. So maybe. He's going to be able to, yeah, like you said, he has developed it. He's going to maybe bring back Chasseur, and she's going to be one of his new projects. And
4: then they date. (laughs) (laughs) They
1: fall in love and have uh, monster babies.
5: (laughs) (laughs) And they take over the world. He can give you some superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) Right? We're
1: -hmm. going to go ahead and wrap it up now with the next uh, couple of questions. So what projects do you have, either right now or lined up for the near future?
4: I just actually finished shooting a film. I was in North Carolina. Uh, in Charlotte, I shot a film, a uh, sexy thriller, who-done-it thriller, with um, called "Careful What You Wish For." Uh, Isabel Lucas, uh, Paul Sorvino, uh, a legend. I got to have mm-hmm. a scene with um, Dermot Mulroney, handsome fella. <gasps> <Phelan. laughs> <laughs> uh, he's kind of swoony. And uh, another very handsome fella that I didn't really know too much about before, but um, was really impressed by. Uh, working with uh, Mr. Nick Jonas of the Jonas oh. Brothers, this is his kind of leading man debut, and I have to say, he really, he really upped the ante nice. um, on on what he was doing, and he was just uh, lovely to work with. Awesome. Young, but got, got his head screwed on right that
6: one. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um, and yeah, that professionally, that's it for the moment. As Mr. Freyden says. You always have things coming down the pipeline, but nothing I can speak about at the moment. And, um... I just get to wear this awesome ring that my new fiancé gave me. Yes. <laughs> Congratulations. 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 I know. I wear it on my right hand. We're European that way. Oh. Okay. I didn't want I to was, bring it up. I saw yeah. you talk about it
5: on Fox. Yeah. then Tonight, she's like, I was like, oh, it's not on there. Okay, don't ask that question. Yeah, no. <laughs> I know. He was like, it's on the wrong finger. I'm like, only in America. <laughs>
4: um, it also just makes it easier. I, I wanted to wear it on this hand just because we do travel a lot and the places where we f- we're from and where we live uh, people do wear their rings on their <laughs> right hand. Uh, also, f- it makes it a lot easier for auditioning, right? I don't have to keep taking it off. I can yeah, actually yes. just wear it because, oh, it's a statement ring. <laughs> 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 you know, they don't question it too much. So,
5: When's the big day? Please. Um.
4: We've scheduled it three times and had to reschedule (laughs) it
6: three (laughs) times. Uh,
4: We both travel a lot for work. He's in in, uh, in the music industry, of course, me in film and television. So trying to nail something down is like... Near um, impossible. Just, just yeah. run off to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: we're this close. <laughs> hey, honey, we're what
5: are you doing close. today?
2: Nothing. Let's drive out
5: to Vegas, huh? Oh, <laughs> um,
4: you would love that so much.
3: <laughs> just a quick question about the music industry. I noticed you're a singer too, and you got a beautiful voice. Did you ever consider the music?
4: Where
3: Career did you hear me sing? I, I saw a video of you oh, singing. Oh, <laughs> And <laughs> playing a little On my ukulele. ukulele. Yeah.
4: You know, my father's a musician, uh, self-taught. And I grew up sitting under tables in bars and clubs watching my father sing. And um, at his family's house, you know, in contrast to my mother, the api- academics, my mu- my father's family are musicians and storytellers. Oh. So it's always around the fire. Um, I just love to sing. It's just sort of a part of my... Heart. I don't know if I have the most amazing voice <laughs> in the world, but I really love <laughs> it's it. <been> great. <laughs> it's great to me. Thank you. I appreciate that. But I am. Um, I have a friend, Stuart Davis. I did a quirky little show called "Sex God Rock and Roll" uh, with him. And another independent called uh, Just Be Yourself, and he's recording his latest album. He's a he's a rock star, uh, <laughs> Cause and Effect, and I, I will be singing on that.
1: Oh, oh that's very good. Awesome. Yeah. Really quickly, where can our AfterBuzz fans follow you at?
4: Um, everywhere, <laughs> just not in person because that would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Facebook, uh, Candice McClure with the fancy spelling. Mm-hmm. I've got a fan page, um, and I also have a personal spe- a page with a slightly different s- spelling. And I, I welcome fans on there. They just get to see more of my sort of friends and family posts. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of stuff from my mom. Um, I'm on Twitter at Candice McClure, super original. Um, oh. I'm on Instagram as the real Candy Mac, and. <laughs> My website is still under construction, but it should be up uh, within the month, and it's CandiceMcClure.com, and I've got some new photos, and I'll be doing video blogs, and uh, you get to see all the weird, quirky things that I do in my kitchen. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right. nice. Very good. it sounds like we're running out of time and right. we're doing the wrap-up music now thank you Stephen. <laughs> but uh, uh again thank you so much candace mcclure thank playing you. dr Schuster on thanks. hemlock grove thanks for joining us we hope to have you back sometime definitely uh if, if you guys want to follow me at home you can um you can follow me at sean O on twitter and instagram
3: you can follow me on twitter and on instagram at Seraphini tv I am on Twitter and Instagram at tweett22,
5: and I'm at JJ Jergens on Twitter and jjjurgens.com.
1: Be sure to tune in next week, guys, for episode 12, and we'll—it's a good one. It's a good yeah. one. Oh, yeah, we'll buzz with you next <laughs> Thank week.
5: You can.